When life gets hard, it just means you've leveled up. But remember that life is a game, so play to win. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, eat, sleep, game, repeat. This is Modern Escapism. And welcome to another week of Modern Escapism. My name is Stig, and I will be hosting the show for you this week because Kenny Gamer is unfortunately ill and he won't be able to join us. But hopefully, enjoyed my little tribute to him in the opener there. But he hasn't not... got the shit by any chance, has he? <sighs> oh, he's Maybe. got a bowler. He's inside out. <laughs> <laughs> but as you've already heard, I'm joined by uh, three other people. First up, it's a man who will gladly punch his way through old McDonald's farm animals just to get his hands on a kebab garlic lasagna burrito. It's Gadget. I will. And I'll also get the joke right when I say it. <laughs> also, it's the man who Simon Carl rejected because he said it would be unfair to all the other contestants. It's Biggie. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Uh, sadly, Candy is unable to join us this week because one of her clients decided to be a dickhead in the last minute and changed her design tattoo. So she's having to work. Uh, she also may have the shits. She's working uh, while having the shits. Yes. We wouldn't leave you with just us three. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> As you've already heard, I've drafted in the fifth best, best podcaster in Ireland. It's Deadbeat Punk. Oh, fuck, I thought you were going to say the fifth bed podcast or my own show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did put Filthy ahead of you. Bastard. <laughs> and frequently you do get put in your place by your own psyche. They're sharp. They're very I don't sharp. know how, given how much they drink. Oh, I forgot about them. So I'm at the seventh best podcast <laughs> for <laughs> in Ireland. <laughs> recording this a, a day later aren't we yeah we're recording yeah. on a monday because you you two couldn't make it yesterday yeah it's my wife's birthday yes and then oh that's an excuse oh no yeah, <laughs> it's bit, in bit, my world yeah big has to jump <laughs> well he didn't even tell us the week before that he was going to be the birthday so he definitely didn't remember <laughs> i did remember her birthday's the 5th of november how can i forget that I you just wanted it to be a surprise for Everybody, including himself. <laughs> he took her out and he said, look, I've organised this big firework display for you. Well, All for every you. year. Every year. <laughs> You're still falling for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I took the kids to uh, the old uh, fireworks display. So, uh, yeah, we decided to record tonight. And then, unfortunately, the other two have had to drop out. So, here we are. We I was the fireworks far more professional out. anyway. So. Oh, yes. You don't need those part-time podcasters. No. Win-win for us. <laughs> Amateurs. They won't listen to this anyway. We <laughs> <laughs> can slag them off all we want. Oodles, you're a dick. <laughs> right, well, Biggie, let's get into it. Ooh. Bring me some of that beautiful news. I get to see this live, brilliant. I hope you don't hear erections over audio recording. <laughs> uh, I've, got, I've got a filter to cut that out. <laughs> Knock off, we go. You may already know, but he doesn't, because it's time for 
Biggie's Breaking News. This news is my recital. I think it's very vital to break the news. That's right on time. It's Biggie, Biggie. Here we go. It's big to read the news, to read the news. That's right on time. It's Big Air. It's Biggie, 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 Biggie. It's big to read the news, to read the news. That's right on time. It's Big Air. <laughs> yes. How fucking long is it before we get you in in the house band? Well, <laughs> I've been rejected every time. Well, apart from Simon Cowell, of course. <laughs> we'll see if the roots are free. <laughs> um, better get my roots done as well. Um, Baldur's Gate Three sex speedrunners in shambles following recent patch. I thought I'd go in full on on this one. So Baldur's Gate 3 players were blessed with another patch on Friday, which, in addition to making the game better for players in numerous ways, made life difficult for a small number of sex speedrunners dedicated to achieving romantic climax in the shortest time possible. The sex category of Baldur's Gate 3 speedrunning is currently dominated by someone called May, who liaised <laughs> with the Githyanki fighter Lazelle. Lazelle, is that right? Lazelle. Lazelle. In just under a realistic two minutes, which sounds about right. This record seems like it's going to stay put for the time being as one of Friday's 1,000 plus changes included making the Githyanki less aggressive, at least in one sense. How did they try to do that in two minutes? I still haven't romanced anyone. I mean, it's, it, it's impressive in so much that you have to get through the opening kind of tutorial area on the um, Nautilus first. Like, that took me an hour. When I played it for the first time, you know, it's a, it's like a safety hatch at the back. You can just skip everything and fall out. Clearly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they it, just fell on top of it, did they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was basically do, it was going it was using a glitch in the in the way the um Githyanki approval rating went with between characters. So um I th- I think I think it was with Lazel, you had to get a certain level of approval with her and then it wasn't that it was it was like it was like she would shag you because she admires you, not because she actually likes you, if that makes sense. It was like a war shag. Nice. I don't know how it's still holding out on me. Yeah, it's 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 stuff <laughs> that sex percent is now a, a speed running category. <laughs> Who I says think it's game a, is really immature, eh? I th- I think um I think the first game with a sex percent was Mass Effect, if I remember rightly. New category on summer games come done quick next year. Remember in Fable 3, you could organise orgies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Next. Next. Thank you. <laughs> Elden Ring Dark Souls dev from software is beefing up for multiple new PS5 games. According to IGN Japan, the Tokyo-based team has hosted a massive recruitment drive as it seeks to bolster its studio for multiple new projects. Among the listings, it's looking for engineers, artists, programmers, sound designers, blah, 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 blah. So it's basically every department you can think of. Those um, interested are invited to register ahead of 30th November with a selection of online briefings scheduled for December. Brilliant. Yeah. A little what bit more games out. The, I mean, the two games that they've put out on, on this generation have been absolute bangers so far. So, mm-hmm. Got any thoughts on what they're going to do? Do you think they'll go Blood back to Bloodborne's uh... kind of sitting on the table? It's... Yeah, Bloodborne's sitting on the table. So is like they could possibly 
dive back down the well of Sekiro. Maybe not like a sequel to Sekiro, but like but style of combat. Kingsfield full remake. <laughs> <laughs> what with all the jank just incorporated, <laughs> just high resolution. Uh, I think given the way that they also did the releases for the Armored Core games, we'll get like an Armored Core 6 Final Liberation or some shit like that, like a semi-sequel, which is how they did it in the previous games. That's how you get like Armored Core 4 and Armored Core 4 Answer. Basically the same game with a bit more on it. <laughs> so we'll either get some DLC or get like a, a, a mid-sequel for Armored Core 6. And then there's the DLC for um, Elden Ring to come mm-hmm. at some point. But you know, take your time, lads. Make it right. You finish that at some point. You should. It's a banger. I take it they wouldn't handle the remaster of Bloodborne. That would probably go out to... Probably know, Blue Point, point or that. something like that. Mm. If, the, if Sony were going to do it. But then Sony makes stupid decisions all the time and probably wouldn't. Probably send, send Bluepoint off for a remaster of Knack or something like that. Would you not be excited for a ground-up remake of Knack? No. Knack 2, maybe, but not Knack. <laughs> they got, re- really got into the lore with Knack 2. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that supposed to be a better game, the second one, though? Yes, that's the joke, Piggy. <laughs> oh, sorry. It I'm went from a 4 out of 10 game to a 7 out of 10 Fuck your joke. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Remedy director wants to make crazy, huge, budget, dark, gothic, fantasy game next. During the interview with GQ magazine, Sam Lake, Remedy's director, was referring to an earlier question. To go back to your question, would I ever do anything else? Yeah, I'm still thinking that I will. There will be a time when I retire. It's just that this has all been so engaging. And that's your favourite at the minute, isn't it? Alan Wick. Who are you talking to? Me? Yes. Yes. Isn't he looking at you? <laughs> He's looking off to the side. Do you not tell? No. Um, I mean, yeah, Alan Wake 2 is great, and I'm happy for Sam Lake to make whatever the fuck he wants. Um, I don't know if that will be what he, what he makes next, because that, that interview question is basically like, yeah, I'd like to do this. Doesn't mean Remedy will do it. Um, yeah, I think but, Remedy are sitting at the moment with that much goodwill. They could just do anything they want to at the moment. Absolutely, they could. And plus, they've got the remakes of. Um, uh, Max Payne 1 and 2 coming up as well. Mm. Oh, they're remaking them. Yeah, they're, re- mm. they're remaking them. I think they're trying to get them back in-house as well. They get the license off Rockstar. Yeah, but is he, yeah, as it's long remedy as they keep themselves the squish releasing them. <laughs> but I mean, Sam, Sam Lake has put himself into Alan Wake 2 for that comparison. <laughs> there is a character Didn't, spe- um... spouting Max Payne dialogue, not called Max Payne, but it has Sam Lake's face. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Max Payne um, the one that had those really dark interludes where he was in his dream sense or something? It was really dark. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. I fucking hated those. We had to follow the line of blood in the dark and you'd That's fall off all right. the time. Yeah. They were creepy, yes. though. They were creepy, yeah. but the, it was, I think it was the, the, the third one that you do of that. The third one. And you got the sound of the baby crying. Mm. And it's really long and I kept falling off and I wanted to smash my computer up. Yes, I remember that too. I like because the sound also, of him knocking back a whole bottle of pills as well to uh, get his health back. Yeah, it reminds, reminds you of the 90s, doesn't it, Biggie? Yes, yes, yes. I'm nodding, by the way. Also, also it's worth follow, following Sam Lake's TikTok account. It's just him walking in places, drinking coffee. It's incredible. So is Zen. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully it's something good to come up with next. Based on Alan Wake 2, I'm sure it will be. Next. I mean, the, I mean, the, the worst game is Quantum Break, which is a 7 out of 10 game. I don't think the studio can do anything truly bad. Yeah. I like Knack 2. Yeah. Is that better than Knack? 
I heard it wasn't Knuckle Two meant to be a better game. <laughs> I heard that too. Knack <laughs> Two. There's a sequel. I think it's pretty good. I'm not sure. Next, it's better than the first one. Knack Two, knackered. Uh, given the chance, Dead Space Three producer would redo it almost completely. Beaver appeared on the Captain Brebo Brebo podcast. Thanks to uh, PC Games N for that. And explained that while he likes the broad strokes of the setting circumstance, he'd want to redo the whole story to focus on a broken Isaac. Co-op would remain, but the action would be stripped back with each player experiencing their own version of the spooks, which sounds quite cool. Now, in this Dead Space remake territory, I'd redo Dead Space 3 almost completely, but I'd keep the lore beat as it's pre- uh, predicated on. Keep the lore you find out, and I'd have Ellie there, but in a different relationship with Isaac, to redo the entire main story. It acknowledges this wish is a speculative one, as it does seem like the remake uh, Dead Space is heading in a different direction. I mean, okay. Yeah, I, mean, that, I mean, that's not the Dead Space 3 you wanted to make in the first place. So yeah, I would understand him wanting to make a good game. I, I would, do you know what I'd do? I would just do, treat this, this new remake as almost a reboot of the franchise and just do... You know, yeah. like Hitman's does hit now is now Hitman one, two, and three. Despite it not, this is like the second Hitman one, two, and three. Right, it's so the world of assassination. Yeah, but just do that with Dead Space. So just make a new Dead Space two and Dead Space three, and just tell the full story that he wanted to tell because you've I already think, got the remake there to, to base the engine and all the everything off. I think that's why he's hinting at like this. Yeah, like Dead Space two can be remade beat for beat a, li- a bit like Dead Space one because Dead Space two is fucking yeah, brilliant. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Dead Space three would need reworking. Wouldn't it stick? It's not good, is it? <laughs> Although it did have those bits in it where I, only I could thing? see certain yeah. things and gadget. Because he was like, was one bit where I was sucked into some kind of dream sequence where you were fighting people. I was like, can you not see this? Like, no, I'm shooting enemies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. One of them gets a really interesting story, but I get to shoot 50, 50 normal enemies. <laughs> it wasn't interesting. It was really shit. <laughs> it was more interesting than what I was doing. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it it would be nice if they had the opportunity to do that. Um, I mean, I mean, if they end up doing the Dead Space Two remake and it ends up selling as well as the Dead Space One remake did, maybe they'll get that opportunity. Who knows? As long as they just get rid of that fucking Elton John looking twat of an enemy. Um, I don't know if it ever came up, but I assume that the Dead Space um, it was a remaster, was it not a remake? Am I right? I can't no, remember. It was a remake, Ground of Premium. It was yeah. a remake. So I take it it sold well. It seemed popular at the time when it came out, but I've not actually yeah, heard I think it did. like it was a, exactly what they were looking for, sort of thing. It'd be nice if Dead Space 2 gets done. Next. <laughs> uh, Bungie reportedly delays Destiny 2's final shape expansion and the latest version of Marathon. Bungie has reportedly told staff it will be delayed next year's planned Destiny 2 um, as the studio's up-and-coming marathon in reimagining. According to a report by Bloomberg's Jason Schreer, citing people with knowledge of the matter, Destiny 2's The Final Shape expansion, which is set to conclude the game's Light and Darkness saga, will now launch in June next year. Bungie publicly announced the 27th of February 24 launch for the expansion back in August. As for Marathon, the PvP reimagining of its 90s first-person shooter series, which was revealed back in May. This is yet to be given an official release date. However, Bloomberg says this has now been moved into 2025, suggesting the studio was previously targeting and launched next year. Following the news of layoffs at Bungie, studio CEO Pete Parsons has publicly commentated on the uh, job cuts, calling it a sad day for the Destiny 2 developer. 
And on top of that, uh, veteran Destiny composer Michael Salvatore also appears to have suggested that he's was included in the layoffs at Bungie. The acclaimed composer has now updated his website to remove mention of his time with the company, which stretches back to 97's Myth, The Fallen Lords, as well as his ongoing work on the Destiny franchise, including next year's climatic expansion. One suspects that Bungie may have fucked it. Oh, yeah. Bungie's in fucking fire. <laughs> Funny that, the year after they get bought out by Sony. <laughs> the management practices well, of Sony it? just trickle down. <laughs> But it is, they missed their annual projections by 40, 45%. Yeah, I think I think people were pissed off with the, was it Lightfall expansion? Whatever the mm-hmm. last one was, the, the 80s inspired one that had hardly anything in it. And what it did have in was supposed to be in the expansion before. Like Bungie have just been kind of just like pressing on and pressing on and saying, oh yeah, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll release. And then nothing happens. It just looks like they've been cooking their books a little bit before they were bought mm-hmm. to make yeah. them look a bit more valuable. Maybe someone should investigate that. Yeah, because that's a big percentage to miss by. Yeah. I wonder how, I wonder how many bonuses the CEO and the board have taken as well. <laughs> oh, probably loads. Yeah. Yeah. And Bungie also got involved with Naughty Dog looking at their multiplayer, telling them, no, that's not going to work. And they had to sort of rip apart the proposed multiplayer as well. So what? that's all falling <laughs> apart. Well, that's why Sony bought Bungie, because Sony didn't really care about Destiny. They wanted Bungie's online tech mm-hmm. and payment models. Because the numbers look so good. Apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it really bad that um, Michael Salvatore like, wiped off Bungie off his website. <laughs> like He's been with them for decades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. A bit, uh, bit dodgy, isn't it? A bit shitty. And I started, it's, I started, shame, I started, it's such a good game, Destiny, or it was. It was, it was fantastic to play. Me- I mean, mechanically, it's solid. It's everything else around it that, that's shite. Like, Xenos tells us all the time in the Discord like how the story no longer makes any sense. And one could argue it didn't make much sense in the beginning, but apparently it makes less sense now and how it's all kind of microtransactioned and it's all about getting as much money off you. You know, it's a far cry from the Bungie that made Halo 3. Yeah, it's a shame. But... Next. <laughs> Shame. Next. <laughs> I don't have much to add to it. To be honest, I just, I, I, hundred a, people sacked. Next. Yeah. No, no. It is. It, that, oh that. no. Anyway, <laughs> we all know that shit, and it's and at the moment the video game industry is it's rife with it. There isn't a week goes by now that there isn't a story of cuts and stuff. It's shit. But mm-hmm. um, I I don't really have much to say on the bungee. To be honest, I gave up on Destiny years ago. I tried to. Well, I, tried I think to get it's back time that it. we announced that the reason actually that candy and oodles are not here is due to layoffs at ME. Good. All right, Mister HR man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, the uh, the finals, uh, the latest first person shooter multiplier uh, multiplayer work together shite uses AI text to speech <laughs> because it can, I played it. It's not great because it can produce lines. In just a matter of hours rather than months, and has baffled actual voice actors. A podcast by Embark Studios, creators of the up and coming first person shooter, has hinted that the game will be using AI voice lines for the foreseeable future. The explanation, however, has left some voice actors feeling confused at least. Or at best, sorry. Carl Strandberg and Andreas Allstrom, audio designers for the finals, were asked who did the voiceovers. They sound really authentic. 
And apparently they responded, we use AI with a few exceptions. All the contestant voices like the barks and voiceover commentators are AI text-to-speech. Miscellaneous voiceover stuff, grunting, pain noises, vaulting over objects is otherwise done in-house. Uh, the reason that we went down this route is that AI text-to-speech is uh, finally bastard. extremely powerful. It gets us far enough in terms of quality and allows us to be extremely reactive to new ideas. If a game designer comes up with a new idea for a game mode, we can have a voiceover represented that in just a matter of hours instead of months. That's, such, that a, that's, that's, that's such a bullshit, bullshit explanation for it, because one, voice act, like most video game studios can do remote voice actor sessions. Like You just need a decent mic mm-hmm. and you can work anywhere. Also, have you heard the fucking state of the announcers in that game? A, no. if you go, if I, go I played the, the game briefly, but I wasn't aware of this at the time. Oh, if you go into the new, the, the, this was on Eurogame. If you go to the news article, they have like a like a video of like collated like uh, announcer clips, and it's like the blue team are having a great session and shit like that. It's oh, it's so fucking silly. <laughs> I might start Red using that team. for my show. More people will be able to understand it. The red team have fumbled <laughs> it. Sorry, what was that? And like stuff like that. It's all. Uh, staggered and stacked like it sounds like AI mm. the quality of the voice that it's putting out like the model that they've used for the voice print is fine but the way it does the speech it doesn't sure. sound like a human yeah you can get the Beatles singing now it's come a long way it's kind of not the point of it yeah but it, it doesn't make any sense because also just like none of it has any then personality because you know when you get a voice actor to do it they put a bit of emotion and feeling mm-hmm. in and you can have all those lines that have been done by AI, done by a voice actor, say there's like 700 of these lines, that a day and a half in the studio to just rattle out line after line after line. <laughs> you know? They're just being cheap. Be They're just being cheap bastards. Absolutely. And what they, and what they don't realise is that first they'll start with the artist, and then one day someone will write a piece of code, which means a program is no longer needed because AI can write that program quickly. Don't need you anymore. That's a slippery. That's a slippery slope. It's like, well, we start with this, and then we'll move on to that, then we'll move on to that. And you can see it this year with quality assurance testing. There are AI tools now that can do that pretty well, good success rate. And following that, it's no longer a tool that uh, QA testers use to test games. It has replaced them, like wholesale. Mm. Right. So you're starting to see this more and more. Uh, Microsoft. I don't know if I'm stepping on one of your stories, Biggie. But yeah, they've remember. invested heavily on AI tools for everybody to use, and it's just the same pattern. Oh, we've brought this in to help writers fill out their scripts a little bit or do random interactions. Oh, fill in a bit of music there, do a bit of art there, and then it just becomes wholesale, covers every job, and then the original artists, they're on the street because they're cheaper. I hear yeah. just... It's fun for making bullshit AI pitches. That's all we need it for. Everything else, fuck it off. Mickey Mouse tweaking his nipples. It's funny, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> losing work over it. No yeah, go. exactly. It's, um, I'm oh, glad, like, the, you know, they're trying to sort this shit out in Hollywood with the their ongoing talks as well, and the writers managed to get something out of it, but the actors are still struggling, aren't they? Because the studios were wanting to scan their faces and use them, mm-hmm. like, you know, as many times as they wanted, didn't they? ridiculous well there was without going off on a tangent uh, Gadget I think you played a bit of them the Judgment games yeah remember 
the reason they haven't continued that was the actor's agency that played the main character didn't want to give away rights to his full body model. Yeah, fetus. they didn't want to give rights to his full body model because I think I think the, the, the third judgment game was implied that he was going to have like a shirtless scene or a nude scene mm-hmm. or something like that. And they said, absolutely not. No way. No, not a chance. Everybody thought this is because, you know, oh, well, people would mod him to do awful things, yeah. like punch babies, and he would never punch a baby. But mm. I think it is, uh, agencies don't want to give away full body rights under any circumstances now, because you could use it. Yeah, you could use it for anything, couldn't you? It's like, oh, we want to bring them back into the studio. We, we want to put their head on like a, this, a nude body. I want to do that. And it's just like, you know, the actors might be like, well, that's not me. And I don't want to consent to that. But, mm-hmm. oh no, sorry, you've already scanned yourself self away. Like, yeah. Don't, don't so want apologies it. if that's a bit tinfoil hat day, eh? But it's a uh... no, because that's what it definitely seems like they want to do. I mean, they yeah. literally have already said like it's a in Hollywood they want to scan people, especially extras, scan them, and then they can just use them and just place them in scenes wherever they want. And then all, all of a sudden it's like we don't need to pay extras because we've got a whole catalog of them on our computer. We can just drop in and anywhere we want. Which is uh... no, it's not good. So yeah, fuck that. Next. Talking about online shooters, Fortnite started off with a big bang. They put out a tweet um, earlier, uh, maybe today, I think it was, or yesterday, where they said they were blown away by the response to Fortnite OG. Yesterday was the biggest day in Fortnite's history with over 44.7 million players jumping in and 102 million hours of play. That's insane. That's crazy. What the fuck is Fortnite OG? They've just literally gone back to the original first map. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. They got rid they scrapped all like the, the other stuff and new it's just Coke back scenario. Yeah, they've just gone back to the original. Uh That's, oh, that's all it is. It, it'll probably <laughs> dro- the numbers will probably drop off. It's just one of those nostalgia things, isn't it, where people say, "Oh, we'll go well, back like, and play the first map again." Well, like they the, the did with World of Warcraft Classic, which is now had Classic has now just had the original Expansions come out and it's catching up to the current version of World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I'm sure it'll just. Uh... I don't think Fortnite's been going long enough to start getting nostalgic about it. The, <laughs> the good old days of Fortnite, when Fortnite was Fortnite. Is it I retro re- already? <laughs> I remember when Fortnite were a tower of defense game, not nice multiplayer <laughs> bollocks. No chicken dinners then. We can play it without building now, can't you? What yeah, the there's the point of playing it then. <laughs> the no builds is quite popular. It's for uh, the oldies. Because <laughs> I can't build fast. I've played that game and I can do yeah, the shooting. If I want to fucking build sheds, I'll play Fallout Four Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can mean, do the other stuff I've... quite well, especially with mouse and keyboard. But when it comes to like, oh shit, someone's building something. I've got to build something. I'm like, oh, what button do I press? Oh no, I've gone past that. Oh no, I'm dead. Like, I, yeah, I've seen I've seen my nephew playing it, and he, he he's psychotic. The the speed <laughs> that he can build on that game, oh, the speed some people have. Seen Why are you it. wasting your time on this? You know you could be building things in real life. <laughs> yeah, give him a hammer and chisel. <laughs> <laughs> Go build me a shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen people you. on that just like they're they they're moving ahead before they've even built the thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're so fast that they know when the where the, it's ridiculous, but. Yeah, that's all it was, Gadget. It was literally, we've, we've relaunched the first map and everyone jumped back in. Otherwise known as, we're out of ideas, pay us money. Yeah. 
But it is Next. amazing. People always forget that it, time hours played. It's like number one. I don't know if it's number one on PC, but all the consoles, it is the most played title across the board. Crazy. It's free though, isn't it? That's what it gets to you. Mm. Free but apology. Always. I talked over in next. Biggie, next. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Silent Hill Ascension fails to impress with greedy monetization and cluttered UI. Despite developer Gemvid claiming (laughs) players can get involved (laughs) for free, there's a pay-to-win model, as much as an interactive live stream can be pay-to-win, implemented here. A $20 or £20 Founders Pack will get you the Season Pass, which is also priced at $20, £20, as listed in the game's App Store page. Unlock all puzzles in-game and exclusive emotes with throwbacks to older Silent Hill references. And you can get an exclusive emote which says, It's Trauma! in rainbow colouring. <laughs> Despite Gemvid's constant assurance Ascension is a free game, it's relentless in reminding you of the premium features you can only access if you spend money. Decisions are made by the community and voting costs an in-game currency called influence points. Influence points can be accrued through usual live service tactics like logging in daily, but doing that doesn't let you net a lot. Alternatively, you can spend up to, again, $20, 20 pounds to buy 26,400 points and sway the game towards your preferred actions. Influence points can also be earned by playing puzzles. However, at the moment, only one puzzle is available for those who are playing for free. Buying the Season Pass unlocks three other puzzles. Shoveling you into pay to play there too. So I'm fucking furious. So <laughs> the noise that you may have heard right at the beginning of the story. Gadget cracking his knuckles. Gadget. Oh, I'm <laughs> fucking furious. For audio only listeners. This man looks like he's going to take a bite out of his microphone. <laughs> so as you all know, I love a bit of Silent Hill. We've been waiting for Silent Hill for a long time. And when they did these reveals last year with like the Silent Hill 2 remake, which I'll get onto in a second, and then Silent Hill P, uh, sorry, F, and then there was another one, Townfall or something like that. And then Ascension, they said, oh, this is going to be this experimental new thing. And I thought it was going to be, uh, what was on Netflix, Bandersnatch. There was going to be like an interactive live stream show. You live stream it, you make choices, you go through, you get a reasonably unique Silent Hill story. <laughs> no. Konami have Konami'd all over the place. <laughs> they made this a fucking nickel and dime thing. For starters, the UI, you watch this thing, and it looks like... You know how Twitch has a really shitty UI? Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate that. It's like that, but worse. Because you've got, like, a chat down the side, so you've got fucking idiots just spamming shit in there. Because yep. it's all live-streamed as well, people are getting things at different bit rates and different times, so people are putting spoilers into the chat constantly about what's about to happen. You inf- you have influence points, which are the fucking... They could have called it anything else but influence <laughs> points. I say, boy, come here and buy your influence points and decide what happens. No! Like, Konami have no respect for IP. <laughs> it's fucking Can you take that back? <laughs> Silent Hill's back! Woo! <laughs> but, you, you know, I think what like I've been angry about this all, all week because it's just so shitty and nickel and diamond. And the thing is, the actual story that they're putting out there isn't interesting and mm. doesn't feature much of Silent Hill in general and has no connection to the previous law or anything. So it doesn't make any sense as a thing that exists. But the fact that you can get a rainbow emote coat that says, it's trauma, has made me fucking like, it's like angry laugh because it's just so Konami. It's so shit. It's unreal what they've done with this. And um, this goes on for like six weeks. It like broadcasts like five times a week for six weeks. The app on the phone doesn't work. The, the stream keeps breaking on the website if you go onto the internet. 
The puzzles aren't hard. They're based on old Silent Hill puzzles. So if you've played the games, you know how to solve the puzzles already. And you have to pay to get three quarters of them. Oh, nah, nah. Furious. Furious. Emotional damage. Do you want to just jump straight <laughs> into the next one so I can get the anger out on that one as well while we're at it? I thought you might. So Silent Hill 2 Remake pre-order suggests an origin story for Pyramid Head. A Best Buy product page for Silent Hill 2 Remake has sparked fans of a Pyramid Head origin story. Pre-orders for the game have gone live from several retailers, though publisher Konami has yet to announce the release date for Silent Hill 2 Remake. Amongst them, Best Buy has attracted attention for the following line in the product description. Fan favourite character, Pyramid Head, makes a return along with a special origin story for fans to play through. Okay. Pyramid Head has an origin story in Silent Hill 2. Pyramid Head... He used to get bullied in school. (laughs) Not even that. (laughs) Pyramid Head exists because James Sunderland exists. That's it. Saying any more would spoil the story, and I want people to enjoy the story of Silent Hill 2 Mm because it's a very good story. But he he is not an independent character of James Sunderland. He exists because James Sunderland exists. The fact that they're doing this... fetish for Toblerone. Manifest. Like yeah. <laughs> he's sick of people thinking he's a pinata. It's democracy manifest. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I had low expectations for this as soon as it says, oh, it's Bluebird team doing it. I'm like, no. I had low expectations already. And then they announced it was going to be like twice the size. I'm like, it didn't need to be. Didn't need to be. No. And now we have an origin story for Pyramid Head. That's probably, um, that also makes it sound like that's like a Best Buy exclusive or something like that, the way that's written. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, there is no origin story for, for Pyramid Head. He exists as soon as James Sunderland turns up in Silent Hill. Maybe That's they it. want to take the character and strengthen his backstory. Just, you know, <laughs> fluff it up a little bit. So you have sympathy for Pyramid Head. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Why is Pyramid Head? Oh, he's to- yeah, he's a tortured villain. He's got that troop of 2023. Just looking for his daughter. <laughs> Because well, you, you said you had that last week, didn't you? Stick saw X like yeah. makes Jigsaw a sympathetic character or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, now the ugh, fucking furious. So can someone take this off Konami and like do it properly? Like, I love a Silent Hill two remake that was good, but it's Bloober Team, so it's not going to be good. So yeah, obviously, it's this, and we've they've had the pretty shitty launch of the Metal Gear collection being yeah. buggy as fuck. Metal Gear 3 remake is going to be absolute fucking wank, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It's going to be broken as all hell. There's going to be stuff in there that does, doesn't need to be in there. There's there's going to be so many microtransactions to buy different camouflages <laughs> and shit like that. Yeah. Oh no, it looks like Snake's injured. Buy a ration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop buying me trauma. <laughs> you need to hide in the, hide in the jungle. Buy a bush. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, generally man. worried about that remake now. With all, I'm, I mean, I'm 100 percent giving up on Silent Hill 2 remake. I was never, I wasn't going to get it in the first place anyway. After I seen the fucking state of the mm. animation on James in that re- re- uh, reveal trailer, um, but this is just like, nah. I'll stick to the original. The original is like a classic for a reason, and yeah, it's harder and harder to play it somewhere these days. But play it on fucking PSX2 on the Steam Deck, and it runs a fucking beauty. I need to go. Play it. I started it and then I lost my serve and I need to get into it. I was, it's it was too. It's got a real grin over it. I don't know whether it's meant to be like that. Yeah, it's meant to be like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it might be dirty, and nasty, but it's only like a six-hour-long game as well. It's very long. Yeah, it used to be the fog. It needed that fog, but yeah. then it became a stylistic choice. <laughs> <laughs> you not played it before, Stig? Nah. 
And I was a Resi boy, that and I just good. thought I was—I was, I was a, one of those like idiots who's just like I don't want to play this Resident Evil ripoff. <laughs> oh, oh, that that burns deep. That one stick. <laughs> you can tell this is recorded locally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Sting's got his teeth. <laughs> what did silly things when we were younger? Next. Uh, I like the sound of this one. Fallout London looks set to deliver a very British apocalypse. Fallout London is an ambitious modern project for Fallout 4 that is set to finally release its end product, a DLC-sized expansion set in the English capital, before this year is out. The team behind it is made up of the most prolific Fallout 4 modern talent out there and has been putting out regular teases, standalone mods and progress updates over the past few years. The most recent dropped a few weeks ago and offered, among other things, a look at the mods Peaky Blinders-inspired faction, the Vagabonds. Fallout London so far, the mod looks to tap into to take influence from a massive array of elements of British culture. There's a bit of the keep calm and carry on, stiff upper lip style ethos, exhibited by the generation that lived through the First and Second World Wars, with one faction known as the Tommies, even dressing like their namesakes from the trenches of the Somme. Fuck's There's sake. a wave <laughs> of posh sneering energy radiating from the Get Gentry and the mysterious Mr. Smythe, from whom I expect to regale with tales of the time at Eton in perfect English pathé voice. There's even a bit more distant past via some post-apocalyptic nights of the round table. Summoning for the absent vaults and pit boys are pinder stations and the wonderfully named Attaboy, whilst iconic FEV-infused enemies like the Super Mutant and the Deathclaw are tagged out to cast the creatures headlined by everything from plant-like dryads to irradiated shrews and badgers. Do you know, it's going to have... Um, remember that episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns is trying to buy, make a casino? Yeah, and the English guy comes and he's like, and he shows them Britannia one. And he's like, best of all, they're going to have real British witches. And she's like, freshen your drink, governor. Yeah, that's, that's what the enemies are going to be like. Oh yeah, that's going to be voices. <laughs> a couple of girls for those voices. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen I've seen clips and videos of this as has been going through development, and they've put a lot of work into it. Um. Yeah, I'm 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 quite excited to actually play this one. I'll reinstall Fallout Four just to go through it. Yeah, 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 they were close to releasing it, but I th- think they delayed it because it was set to release around Starfield time. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm all into it. I love Fallout. I love the idea of London being a bombed out apocalypse. There it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've, just, I've just seen <laughs> Fallout London, huge mod. Oh, it was cut, cut character based on Queen Elizabeth. There was a zombie queen <laughs> with zombie corgis. <laughs> oh. Shame that. Replaced with Jimmy Savile. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like there's going to be, looking at these pictures, punks and mods. And yeah, uh, what are the, uh, the beef eaters with a big yeah. King Queen's Guard and all that? Can he? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm into it. It has. It, I think it's been going on for about four years. This one, so I'm excited to play it. Been a long time coming, yeah. Yeah, just nice to see somewhere outside of America, even if it's not official. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But maybe like the rest of the world is fine. It's just America that is just a no, no entire world fucked. We've been over this. <laughs> You've listened to the Fallout episode. I hope. Yeah, yeah but I need those numbers for islands. But is that they what they were told? The background, is, that, is that what is that what the Americas were told? Just to stop them from. Or propaganda. Yeah, forgetting just to stop him from trying to get to the promised land. Yeah, poor Ireland know. would be the Emerald Island still. It'd just be glowing at night. 
<laughs> Massive spuds, though. So at least that won't be a repeat. Yeah, yeah, but then then you'd have um, you'd basically just have two sets of ghouls knocking the shit out of each other again. You'd start the troubles all over again with nukes. That Fucking are orange ghouls and green ghouls oh, can't get along. <laughs> pricks. <And> death leprechauns. <laughs> French dick. dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're over to the world of film and TV. Disney to buy full control of Hulu in a deal with Comcast. The Bob Iger led company will have to pay at least 8.61 billion US dollars for the 33% stake in the streamer. The deal expected to be closed in 2024. Disney has agreed to take full control in a deal um, which, um, as it already owns a third. Also, I say, it, already bring, it already shows a lot of stuff from Hulu on Disney Plus anyway, don't yeah. it? Yeah. wonder if that's just over here or is it worldwide? It's probably just anywhere that Hulu isn't. Mm. Like we don't yes, have I think here, here is like we get stuff on Disney Plus that's on Hulu, but because in America they have Hulu, they don't get that. You have to, you have to subscribe to Hulu. So I imagine they probably just thought, why don't we just buy it all? And then we, we don't have to split the split it. Just Disney. I don't, ne- don't necessarily Disney. agree that they should be allowed to do this one because I mean Disney already owns most of the entertainment industry, and kind of owning multi- they have their own streaming platform, and now they've bought another one. Plus, then mm-hmm. they own a huge they they own Fox, so they yeah. own a lot of yeah, the Fox content Fox. that goes on streaming platforms. So it's like they are becoming a monopoly at this point, and I, and kind of I think they should be stopped at this. Can't recall if they still do, but Hulu and DreamWorks used to have a deal, and like DreamWorks is. Disney's biggest competition yeah. in the animated yeah. movie market. For now, until they buy them. So, yeah, they do seem to be... I'm trying to see if there was anything that actually jumped out that Hulu owned outright, but... No, they, they, they didn't own a lot of stuff outright. They had a lot of... like They have, they have the deals with rates. Fox. They have the kind of exclusive de- deals with, like, Fox. But like that's how I was watching like Futurama was a mm. recommissioned through Hulu. Yeah, see, that's that's the only disappointing thing as well, isn't it? If Disney then own Hulu, do the things that Hulu brought back or would would bring back? Like, would would Disney have brought back Futurama? Like, do you know what I mean that if those those things have been kind of resurrected through Hulu, if Disney now take away Hulu, just incorporate into all of their stuff, they might say, well, we're not going to do that kind of stuff anymore. And we've already seen with them how easy they just shove stuff under the rug when they don't want it. All mm, the stuff they've just taken off their service off, already. Yeah, it's not great, to be honest. It's it, On one hand, it's like I, there's too many streaming services. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's not one company should have all of these. No. So... You do miss when Netflix had the monopoly, at least everything was in the one place. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I'm, I'm fine with two, maybe one or two is fine. Like, you know, Amazon have got theirs and then Netflix and then, then you're like Disney, okay, right, Paramount, or HBO. It's like, oh, just on Mac. I was on uh, <laughs> Prime much. earlier in the week looking for a film to watch that um, I couldn't find anywhere. And it was under um, the Icon brand, you know, the film, the develop, film developers, Icon Films. And they've got their own subscription channel through Prime as well. It's yeah. mental. Yeah, that's the other thing as well is there's so many of these streaming services, yet 
there's so much stuff that isn't even still available on them. Like, how do you have like at Disney? How do you have the the whole Fox backlog, mm-hmm. but you don't have it just on your channel? Why is not everything you own just there for us to watch? Because there's even things like I covered dog soldiers on another show near Halloween. I'm trying to find a legal stream of that. It didn't exist. No, that one's one that's lost to time unless you own yeah. the original DVD. Yeah. Or, you know, I beg eat it. Pisces. <laughs> Yoo-hoo. We've got it on DVD. That's why, that's again. Well, that's give me why. a fucking land of it. He didn't ask. I don't like you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never get it back, though, would I? I'd get no. it back with just the word cunt scratched in the front. Why is this DVD <laughs> case ticking? <laughs> Yeah, it's. I don't think it's a good thing. Um, like I say, like Hulu brings does the um, the bear, and they've just announced that they're doing season three for that. Um, you know, it's again, it's like a that. strange one because it's shown on Disney Plus over here. So yeah, but is that going to be a show that Disney would have commissioned and started? Just, I, I mean, don't, I don't see it. I don't see them being a company to start that kind of show. I, it, I mean, it depends if whatever control they take over, if, if they are going to say, we own Hulu now, we're going to run it, or we own Hulu now, make us money, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. They're taking over the world, one company at a time. We'll Next. all be working for the mouse soon. Well, speaking of Disney, Marvel executives have discussed backup plans after Jonathan Major's arrest. The um, actor's Kane the Conqueror's position to be Marvel's next franchise-spanning supervillain, but Marvel is reportedly in crisis amid the Kang star's arrest. Majors was charged with assault and harassment in March this year. Um, last week, a New York judge rejected the defense motion to dismiss the case. Um, according to a new report of Variety, Marvel executives, including studio chief Kevin Filifidifidifid, uh, gathered in Palm Springs in September to discuss backup plans, including pivoting to another comic book adversary like Doctor Doom. Recast him. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, could they not just have the character get arrested, call him a bit of a cunt, pack him away, and then just do multiverse nonsense? Or, you know, the one from the universe over, or dimension, hops into his place. He's he's already got multi... The problem is they've got, we've got here, right, isn't this? This is a spoiler for Ant-Man's mid-credit scene. Oh, for fuck's sake. Is they showed a, a council of Kangs in that, and they all look like Jonathan Majors. So right. in a narrative purpose, they can't they can they can't really go, well, why did all of them look like him? But this one Kang here now looks like this new person. But just fucking recast him. They recast mm-hmm. Rhodey, they're recasting Thunderbolt Ross because um William Hurt died. So and it's now Harrison Ford. They're not saying, oh that you know, this is a variant of Thunderbolt. It's like, no, they just you, sometimes you just have to recast, get on with it and just treat yeah. it. And just go with that. And if anyone ever, you know, most normal people will know the reason why he got recast. You know, Dumbledore got recast in Harry Potter because one because he da- died because he got arrested. Yeah, like <laughs> you just have to do it sometimes and just get on with it and don't make a fuss about it. And if he is yeah. found guilty and you know, it's, and they say right, no, we we've got to sever ties with him. Either recast him or just make the ultimate Kang a variant and say, oh. He looks different to the rest of them because he is like the ultimate Kang or some shit. 
It's so easy to work around. I don't know why everyone's getting so like twisted up about it. It's the, the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. I know you haven't. <coughs> uh, <coughs> Speaking of Marvel, uh, Marvel Spotlight is a new MCU label. Of course, there's a new one that will focus on bringing more grounded, character-driven stories to the screen with street-level stakes over larger MCU continuity. Spotlight Projects will have a musical fanfare intro composed by Michael Giacchino. Um, Alright then. Good. Stop Stop making extra stuff, just get the fucking main stuff right. No, but I like this in that it's more of a... So the trailer for Echo came out this week and it looks very yeah, much like Depp Netflix Daredevil, right? Like that style. This is their first like adult rated thing they've done. So it's TV fourteen, I think, in America. So like fifteen over here. That's because it's got blood, it's got violence, and and everything. Did they go like to school with Pyramid Head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it tells us the backstory, of Pyramid Head. But no, but we're just a very naughty boy. I'm quite happy for them to do this and say, yes, this is in within the MCU, but. We don't have to bring these characters in for the big team up at the end. They're just doing their own separate thing. You don't oh, need no, them think, as part. Think... You can keep your big, massive, epic characters for your big team up in Avengers films, and we can use these other characters on TV shows away from the main thing. And... Yeah, I think I'm just having a bit of fatigue, is all. Yeah, but the problem is you, you don't then, if you do this, you don't have to go, I have to watch that, I have to watch that, I have to watch yeah, that. True. You can dip in and out because certain things don't. That it doesn't matter. Keep your Fair. films to your big build up and then keep your TV to doing this. It's like She Hulk could be part of the spotlight because she doesn't yeah. really work as part of the cinematic universe. Yeah, fair. She's got her own little kind of sitcom thingy of the week going on, breaks the fourth wall. You bring that into the MCU films and put her in an Avengers film, it would just, it wouldn't work, would it? Imagine trying to do this big, mm. serious film with. Kang or Doctor Doom, and then She Hulk like looks at the camera and starts quipping, like that's <laughs> not going to work. So just keep you can keep her doing that. You can do Echo. You can do I don't know Daredevil. Like Hawkeye was really good in its own little TV kind of th- like it was just street level stuff that was really good. Do that, fine. Mm. And you don't have to make it all link. You don't have to worry about it all. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. But they are cutting back on the stuff anyway. That's what Bob Iger said, that he, that the previous guy, I can't remember whose name was now, um, after Endgame, it was just like, more, 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 more. And then this is where we're at now. And Bob Iger's just like, nah, like we're cutting all this back. Less, but less, less. He's, doing, he's basically said less. We're going to structure it properly because they weren't making the TV shows properly. They were making them like movies and then cutting them up rather than making them like TV shows. We're doing too many. Nothing was making sense. Nothing was linking up. And it's like, and then Bob Iger's basically come in and just said, nah, like, fucking sort it out. So, hopefully they will, but, yeah. We'll see. God, Marvel's a pile of wank. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love our Marvel chat. <laughs> Good shit. <laughs> Next, The Last of Us Season 2 expected to enter production in early 2024. The Last of Us was renewed for Season 2 before the Season 1 finale aired. The original video game spawned one sequel titled The Last of Us Part 2, which created Neil Druckmann and showrunner Craig Mazin. Or Mazin? It's amazing. 
Thank not you. sure. Not my news article. Didn't that. do my research. <laughs> <laughs> However, the uh, WGA and SAG AFTRA uh, acronyms strikes have put the highly anticipated second season on pause. We've outlined all of season two and we're ready to go as soon as the strike ends. Druckman told Entertainment Weekly. We're able to map out all of season two. Added amazing. And I also wrote and submitted the script for the first episode and sent it into HBO. Fair enough. I'm excited. Yeah, great. Get on it. I, I really enjoyed the first season. Yeah. Good stuff. Next. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, season 12, to premiere in February 2024. I can't believe that's still going. Mm. I can't believe Larry David's still alive. I thought that, I thought that had ended, to be honest. <laughs> it it yeah, had. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they brought, brought it back. He's not doing much, and he's like, oh, fine, I'll do another series. <laughs> like that, I think the FTX ad that he that he did put him in a bad, a bad steady once people are like him again. Next, Next. <laughs> quick announcement: You meant to go through him. Don't bang, bang, bang. I know. I just I was just waiting to see if there's anything else to add there. Uh, an animated series for Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon is in the works. Next, yeah, that's <laughs> brilliant. Actually, the animated you stuff will probably Star be Wars for people that fuck. The animated one. <laughs> <laughs> it will probably be better than his. It'll probably look better. <laughs> For those that follow through with their sister, uh, it follows a sequel revealed. Maika Monroe and director David Robert Mitchell reunite. For they follow, um, they're reuniting as a sequel to the 2014 cult horror hit. It follows, which I also watched this week again. Uh, Neon, the Oscar-winning studio behind Parasite, will co-produce the movie and release it domestically. The studio will introduce it to international buyers that this is American film market. Principal photography is set to start for 2024. I like it, Follows. Good. Creepy as fuck. Really cool. Yeah. Don't have sex, kids, and then you won't have a demon following you. Fuck the demon. <laughs> Got to establish dominance. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Uh, it's time for this week's Swift Talk. Yeah, but it's not Taylor here, Swift's is he? 19... No, he's not. <laughs> Taylor Swift's 1989 re-recording scores record-breaking UK chart debut. In a year of record-breaking achievements, Taylor Swift has done it again. A re-recording of her crossover pop album has become the UK's fastest-selling record of 2023. It shifted 184,000 copies last week, more than double the opening week sales of the 2014 original. It's the only album released this year to go to gold in a single week and is Swift's 11th UK number one overall. Among female artists, only Madonna has had more chart toppers and Swift is now within touching distance of her record of 12. The f- an album that only came out nine years ago <laughs> as well. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah, good on her. <laughs> and it's he, keep, also... he, keeps sending me, uh, he keeps sending me things to discourage it and I'm like, mate... It's like I just said it back like you're not going to discourage me. I, I like it. It's like you can send me everything you want, but it's not going to. It's not going to change. Why does he hate women so much? No idea. Like to see a successful one. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he, he hates pop music. He, he's one of those metal elitists. <laughs> metal is just <laughs> dusty pop. It all follows the same format. <laughs> oh, it just we're just all copying pop. the Beatles. It's just closed off. Yeah. Listen to Freeform Jazz if you want to be different, you bollocks. Unless it's Scar, <laughs> that's truly original. Oh, of course, yeah. Calypso. <laughs> I just want a bright suit set about drinking rum all day. I don't care if that's a stereotype, but it's my retirement plan. <laughs> I 
thought that was just a Tuesday for you. I don't have a bright suit. <laughs> Yet. Uh, the achievement justifies Swift's decision to re-record all of her first six albums. She started the project in 2021 after her old record label, Big Machine, sold her master tapes to music mogul Scooter Braun. He later sold them to an investment company. Rather than lose control of her recordings, the star decided to recreate them and also refuses to license the originals for use in TV and film shows, denying the new owners a lucrative revenue stream. Good. As it should be. And now, only three other musicians have achieved billionaire status. Rihanna, Beyonce, and Jay-Z. However, Swift is the first to reach the milestone based on music alone, as the rival's fortunes incorporate business ventures in fashion, beauty, and hi-fi equipment. Dr. Dre's done it. What beats? I don't know. Yeah, Dr. Dre's a billionaire. Dre's a billionaire. Mostly because what he sold beats to Apple for. Yeah, but but he's still like a pop, well, a music artist, sorry, that Mm -hmm. uh, reached billionaire status. But yeah. Next. Next. Less about the billionaires, better. Correct. <laughs> uh, Slipknot drummer Jay Weinberg leaves Heavy Metal Group. A statement from the US group's website states that it was a creative decision for them to part ways. He said something about it being band. Dusty Pop, and they sounded like the Beatles. <laughs> what an ego. <laughs> it, 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 this is a weird band. one. Slipknot have been doing some weird decisions. They've had a couple of members leave over the last couple of years. And mm. Um, the fans were a big fan of uh, Jay Weinberg. Like he was a very good drummer, considering that Joey Jordison had created the sound for Slipknot over so many years, and then he left, and then ultimately died. Um, Jay Weinberg kind of got in there and actually managed to make a sound that was unique to him, which is impressive in a band of nine members, where three of them are drummers. You know, <laughs> it's, it's impressive to do that. You have to stay ahead so, of that keg, guy. Yeah, he's on form. Dr- drummer is is putting it loosely for some of them. They're, they're basically the triangle member of the group. Yeah. <laughs> so it it seems like a weird decision for them to make, and the fans haven't taken it well. So let's see how that plays turns out for them. Is there any like who's the original members now? Uh, Corey, Sean. It's hard to tell. They're all wearing masks. I mean, Corey technically isn't, but it's 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 a lockdown's he over, is, isn't he? Really? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Corey, Sean, the two guitarists, Sid left and Craig left. Yeah, it's just those four. Yeah, wonder how long he can do it for. Really, like singing like that. It's not necessarily the singing like that. It's the performances. They're all getting old. Yeah. Like uh, Sean Crayons. Has he 60s. said that like Slipknot? Even if he was to leave or something happened, they could carry on. I was like, I can't carry on without the, without him. Yeah, no, Gwar used no. to say the same too, but they kind of fell off a cliff after their lead singer died. Yeah, it uh, it don't work. Changing the lead singer doesn't. Uh, it might have, might be like the odd occasion here and there. I think Iron Maiden didn't they? They had to change. Their yeah, yeah. Lead the annual to begin with. Yeah, he was shite. It, <laughs> that's him. He tried a lot of the times. And failed. It don't work. <laughs> so anyway, next. Bit of fun. Foo Fighters explain how to correctly pronounce their name. Christopher Walken returned to Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live this past weekend to take another stab at pronouncing Foo Fighters. Back in 2003, the Pulp Fiction star introduced the band on SNL, putting the emphasis on fighters rather than Foo. In a 2017 interview, the rock band's frontman Dave Grohl 
revealed he intentionally tricked Walken into mispronouncing their name to get the most out of the actor's iconic voice. Well, are you going to do it? <laughs> I can't do an impression of him. So why did you bring it? I thought it was a bit of a silly story. Sorry. <laughs> Bringing a bit of fun to this pod. God damn it. Fumbled. Oh, no, I know, but I want you to do the impression. You've brought a Christopher Walken saying something thing. Do the impression. Oh, God, I'm trying to think how he speaks. You mean he didn't look Ladies up the clip? Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> See? It's not easy, is it? I mean, it, it is if you try, if you actually try. Yeah. The way he says it is Foo Fighters. <laughs> no, that's how you have to say it after. Because they've corrected him. Ah, see. No, I'm saying that was the, that, that was the joke. That's what I Dave Grohl got him to say. I picked the bit where he actually Everybody did it seems to know everybody's jokes tonight. I know you yeah. were joking. So do I. I was joking about Thank you not getting the joke, you bitch. Oh, it's gone Next. on better. <laughs> oh, I wrap this news Finally, up. Finally, over to the Weird World web. A $1 million budget Barbenheimer movie is in the works. The film follows Dr. Barbenheimer, a scientist Dole living in Doltopia, who tries to take out humanity with a nuclear bomb. <laughs> Charles Band's Barbenheimer mixes bombs and dolls for the ultimate low-budget comedy cash-in. Oh, While the prolific B-movie icon freely admits his up-and-coming feature about a scientist Dole in Doltopia um, is a shameless attempt to profiteer off the success of Barbie and Oppenheimer, he also says it's a great opportunity to have some tongue-in-cheek blending the two very different films. Do you want to hear a bit about the synopsis? The, the, I'm telling you more? anyway. Barbenheimer, selling at the American film market with AMP, follows Dr. Bambi J. Barbenheimer, a brilliant scientist doll living in Doltopia, a world of endless summers this? and beach parties, and her boyfriend, Twink Dolman. So far so, <laughs> Greta Gerwig's neon-coloured billion-dollar mega-hit. Turning Nolan's distinctly less pink dial up a notch, our Dr. Barbenheimer, incensed by the brutal treatment the dolls receive at the hands of human children, ventures into the real world where she experiences humanity at its worst and naturally decides to build a giant nuclear bomb to take it all out. <laughs> Fucking hell. I thought you were going to bring I... that horse video that broke Twitter. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the frog one. Frog one? I'll send it to you. Mm. Oh, okay. I'm not seeing this one. I haven't seen either, to be honest, but I heard about this. <laughs> you don't want to. Um, <laughs> I wonderful. Them. Candy, but she better watch this Barbenheimer and review it for us. It seems right up her street. It does. Is that the news? She'll, God, she'll probably think news. it's brilliant as well. If that's what you want to call it, yes. Too much news. Stop creating news. Just I not it out a bit. Yeah. And what's uh, coming up next? Uh, coming up next is after these adverts, we're going to be talking about what we've been up to. Q adverts. It's like a toothbrush for your arsehole. Everybody wants one. <laughs> Can't figure out what to get your dad for Christmas. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Yeah, we're going to discuss what we've been up to this week. Uh, we'll start with Biggie. You've been talking loads, so we'll start with you, Gadget. Tell us what you've been doing. Uh, it's been mo a week of most of the same stuff. So I've gotten further with Alan Wake 2, um, about just over halfway through the game at this point, and I'm entirely convinced that this is Remedy's magnum opus. I can't see any way that this game shits the bed by the end of it. 
it is absolutely fucking genius. The I was I was talking to Punk about it earlier, like the blending of the live action cutscenes with the in-game engine stuff is brilliant. Um I've just done a sequence in a hotel which was actually genuinely quite scary at times. Like mm-hmm. it's one of the it's one of the sections where it's not like jump scares or anything, but it piles the pressure on you. Like there's a lot of enemies, not a lot of ammo and not resources. So you're having to constantly move. And it's like, it's that's the good survival horror shit where it's like it really resources sets are really the mood, stretched. which sounds basic, but hasn't happened yeah. a lot recently. No, it puts it puts the effort in to make it seem creepy and you're just in a hotel. Like there's not a lot about the hotel itself that is creepy, but they've put the effort in to make it feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm absolutely loving it. I'm probably going to try and finish it this week. Um, but yeah, it's it's really brilliant um the main thing that i started this way i started two things this week uh i've just started season 16 of uh it's always sunny in philadelphia so watch the first episode of that which is uh the gang inflates um where they fail to understand inflation and it is incredibly funny and i think what's impressed me most about that is one their performances are still absolutely spot on but two how after 16 seasons they're still so sharp with the writing i don't understand it yeah still great it's still really, really good. So I'm looking forward to getting through the other seven episodes of that, which I'll probably do tomorrow. Um, and the other thing I've started is Garth Marenghi's Incarcerate, <laughs> which is the second book in the Terror Tome saga. Are you reading or listening? I'm reading and then I'll listen. Because um, it's, yeah, it's Matthew Holness doing the, doing the, vo- uh, doing the reading again, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yes, volume two of the legendary terror, uh, dark scribe Garth Marenghi's chilling opus Terratome ups the ante on schlock and scares as a horror novelist is abducted by a team of shadowy scientific experts. Nick Steen is abducted and imprisoned at Nulltech, a shadowy technological research facility with excellent conference parking, concealed deep <laughs> in the Stalkford Downs. There he is observed, tested and interfered with, physically, by a team of scientific experts led by Dr. Barbara Nullman. Determined to probe and nullify his escaping imagination, <laughs> it's the it's the same bullshit as last year, and it's so good. <laughs> what Matthew Holness has managed to managed to do is show his love for horror, because he obviously is a huge fan of horror. Because he's he's putting all the tropes in in the funniest way possible. The writing is Garth Marenghi. Writing is Nick Steen, who is Garth Marenghi effectively. Um, is absolutely fucking brilliant. There is a. Wonderful, wonderful moment in the first of the three stories, where um, where Nick has managed to has managed to get to Nulltech, and he's taking taken captive, and then he wakes up. And you know when they do that whole thing with horror, where like they wake up and it's like you imagine the camera's close in on them, and then they discover like I don't know someone's taken their arm off or something for yeah. an experiment. You know, it's it's that kind of long reveal of that traumatic injury. Where it's going and says, I looked around, something felt wrong. I, I turned my head and I saw in the mirror, and there it was. I was bald. <laughs> <laughs> my luscious locks were gone. <laughs> I was fucking howling, laughing at that. <laughs> um, and the and the and the fact that throughout all the torture, Nick Steen's going um, going on through. He's he's constantly attracted to Doctor Nullman, so he's saying <laughs> like she she she's she's beating the crap out of me. She's putting me into this into this cage to hold me down, and I've got a massive stonk on. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm only I'm, I've only just finished the first story that um uh, uh which I can't remember the name of no it's not in Castorat itself it's um fuck what is it oh the Portento um which is about Portento. yeah Nick Ste- Nick Steen being able to see me, being able to get psychic visions because he constantly he's, becomes a pilot and is somehow re- repeatedly crashing planes 
in exactly the same way. And it's like a vision of the future every single time. Like, it, it's brilliant bollocks. Yeah, we've got tickets to go see him live in Dublin next year, I think. Oh, is he touring again, is he? Yeah, playing Belfast end of this month, but we couldn't get tickets, so... To the south we go. Ooh, international. Not coming down my way, are you? Not that south. He's doing Brighton in two days, mm. Biggie, if you want to go and see him. Don't want to go to Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> England, third um, world country. Well, it's just northern <laughs> France, really, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I again, Incarcerate is for some people who get the joke, who understand that Garth Marenghi is a parody of Stephen King types and mm-hmm. of those kind of schlocky 70s, 80s horror writers. If you get the joke, it's amazing. If you don't get the joke, you'll think it's the worst book ever written. <laughs> but it is especially written for his fans. Like, I do wonder he, if that's he, the same with the show. Or are there people that watch that and just, this is, this is shite. It's so cheap. I need, I need to watch the show. Everyone always, <laughs> oh, Dark I've never watched so it. so fucking good. It's so 2003, it, but it's so good. It's 20 years old in January. It's got Matt Berry. Yeah, it's, it's, on, it's on 4 mm. OD. Uh, on, yeah. on four or oh, on demand or whatever the fuck they all call four, it. All four, yeah. Uh, how many episodes? Probably only six, is it? Seven, I think. Oh, somewhere. Yeah, I can yeah. Blast say six, or seven. Six, six episodes, half an hour mm. each. Oh, yeah, I'll get through that. You'll fucking love Scotch Mist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a watch of that. Yeah. Um, uh, Matthew Hollis's performance as Garth Marenghi, both in the show and then as the, the narrator for the books, is so spot on because you just believe that he is a shit horror writer <laughs> like you don't see the comedian playing the role you just see a shit horror writer <laughs> <laughs> kind of person who goes to shock con in swansea you know like <laughs> uh but yeah I, I i really rate it again like i say if you don't get the joke you won't enjoy it but if you get the joke it's so fucking good yes right i'm gonna watch the show then and then go from there and see if i like the show then maybe i'll get the audio books good is that everything yeah, that's everything for this week. It's been a quiet week. Okay, great. And Punk, our guest, what have you been up to? Well, I finished Alan Wake 2, so I'm going to spoil the ending. No! Right, Dean, <laughs> calm least, down. I <laughs> fucking would if I understood it. <laughs> <laughs> no, apart from that, I started and finished Jusant, which was added to Game Pass, made by the lovely Pass, folks at Don't Nod. So on my I think, list to uh, play, I think, this week. I'm going to have a, a blast of that. Trying to think who played Life is Strange among us. Biggie definitely didn't. No, I did. No. You hate life, Biggie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it carries over that charm. It really reminds me of like Echo, The Last Guardian. There's a story there. You need to dig it up. It's almost... Post-apocalyptic, which, again, I love. You climb what begins as a tower. You're going through empty homes. You find notes that nobody's about. You start piecing together a story. You've got an adorable glowing frog blob cat creature. I fucking love it. There's a button to hug it. And if you don't hug it, I'm going to call around your house and punch in the throat. Give and then it. hug it with your controller. <laughs> but like, it's built on Unreal 5, which I was surprised at because it didn't jump out right away as that type of game. 
but when you stop and take in your surroundings and see the lightings, the small animations, there's birds in the backgrounds, there's constant movement with everything that's going. Because it it takes place in the same place, but it changes as you travel and it it's just gorgeous. And yeah, you piece the story together. There's no dialogue, but it again, that kind of story building, it really resonated and I didn't expect it when I started. And yeah, it's four to six hours long. It's on Game Pass. And if you don't really care about collectibles, you can just rinse through it. There are sections that basically clear a level. There's something that you activate at the end of every part. And I missed collectibles because I went straight to it instead of looking around. So that's the only heads up I'd give people. Check your surroundings before you want to move on. You'll know what it is when you see it. Yeah. But absolutely gorgeous music on point, just ooh, flawless. I just looked at a video of it then um, while you were talking. Just uh, yeah, it looks because I bored you. Thank no, you. No, I, no, I was listening. I, I, I put it on mute. I was just watching the actual animation to see what it was mm-hmm. like. But yeah, it looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, <laughs> animation side of things. Like even if you have the girls with you, it's that kind of thing that like Lady Punk watched me play it. It's just it's one of those interactive cartoons. You just get absorbed by it. I might play it on the Ally, though. Seems like a nice little handheld. Oh, it would be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I say I'd love to stick the boot to it, but I can't because I'm a nasty person. (laughs) What I can stick the boot to is another Game Pass title called Thirsty Suitors. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, I heard some quite good reviews and friends of mine recommend it saying it's right up your street. It's wacky. It's mad. It looks the part. One minute you're skateboarding, then you're having a turn-based battle against an ex from high school where you quip at each other and send insults and hurt their feelings and that does emotional damage which eventually defeats them oh it's brilliant and jesus christ i winced so hard at the dialogue i think i lost a <laughs> testicle i just and i i like offbeat humor i like strange things but it just i don't know if it tries too hard and just doesn't land but i I hated everything about it. But about three hours into it, I was just, what the fuck am I doing? Dead Space is on Game Pass. I could be playing that right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're on the build-up to Game of the Year. This is not going to be on it, I have decided. This wasn't that (laughs) game. Is is this that game where, when we watched the Xbox Showcase, that they were, like, in the car talking to each... That was the trailer of them, like... just a bunch of young people like chatting that. in a car. Yeah, I remember that one. It, no, it wasn't. No, this. I just thought it was because that one looked quite bright and colourful, and I just I didn't know whether it was this or not. This one has strange that like you get about by skateboard because of course you do, you prick. And you know people are bouncing off you in the street, and that's kind of funny. But you know, in Spider-Man Two, for those that have played it, once you reach like your maximum speed, it does that visual effect, kind of the aperture around the yeah. edges mm-hmm. of the screen. To, indicate how quick you're going it does that when you're on the skateboard and you're going about two miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody standing up behind you going whoosh whoosh <laughs> you know, I'm going so quick on my skateboard and it just uh, <laughs> everything about it fucking rubbed me up the wrong way and I wanted to like it I like my turn based RPGs I, I like off brand humour but it's like Scott Pilgrim for cons 
if I had to stick <laughs> something across it. And Scott Pilgrim's okay, already for cons, so you can imagine what level this is on. Gave it a four star on Eurogamer. That probably uh, that fucking tells, Eurogamer. You every, tells you everything. Ricks. They give that volcano high five stars. That was, that was fine. I enjoyed oh, that. Oh, was it fine, Stig? Yeah, I enjoyed it, but mainly because it was, it, that was barely a game. That was, <laughs> that was an interactive fucking show. That was one you watched, and every now and again you pressed a button and it did something. <laughs> but it was literally just a, it was a four to five hour game, in inverted commas, more like a TV mm-hmm. show. <laughs> For some reason, I enjoyed it. <laughs> what five star though? Fucking hell, no chance. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Eurogamer, they're not, they're not what they used to be. No. So, yeah, again, apart from that, uh, a lot of what I've played, what we've covered, uh, except uh, just a lot more of. So, it's probably the only one uh, if you want to skip on. I finished Legs of P recently. I fucking adored that. Oh, I need to get into that. Yeah, it's uh, basically Bloodborne. I got very annoyed towards the end of the game. Because I felt it got quite cheap, but I got over that, went back and replayed it, and I'm all aboard again once I got over my little. Obviously, the biggest complaint I've seen about it is that you get to what feels like the last boss, and you spend eight hours bashing your head against a brick wall against that, and then there's one more. Well, there's an optional boss that's what gave me, and it's an optional boss. It should be hard. Yeah. Especially in this FromSoft similar game, which, yeah everything apart from that. The world setting, it is Pinocchio, for those that don't know, and it has all the characters from, like, the classic fairy tale. This reimagined world that's struck. You have puppets that are basically slaves to humans, and it follows Robocop rules, where they can't hurt humans. (laughs) But then there is... Until they do. ...a strange infection, and they can hurt the humans that are infected to save the other humans. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. So there's, uh, I forget the <laughs> the robotic law for puppets, convent, something, but uh, the character you control doesn't seem to be affected by this, so he can go on his merry way and murder anything he wants. As you do. Be truthful. Tell lies. It's Pinocchio. Whee! But yeah, can't recommend it enough. The only thing is, I got very frustrated at the end because the game kind of requires you to use throwable, consumable items. And if you haven't built built yourself around that up to that point. Well, if you haven't stocked up, that's annoying. Or myself, if I can't finish a boss using the skills, if it's not parry, dodge, the usual, I don't want to know. Yeah. I, I hate using items, but once you learn that you kind of have to, because you can keep the pressure on for so long, their health bar goes white, staggers. If you hit them with a heavy attack, you get to do some major damage, but they tend to back off. The later bosses do when they get to that stage, so you can't keep the pressure on. So you need to pick up a shot putt and fuck it in their face. Who's the big man now? (laughs) It's Pinocchio! (laughs) But if if my hoarding on Baldur's Gate 3 is anything to go by, I'd have all the items in the world. Oh, and... uh, Terrible at not, like, using stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I, I refuse to. It's like admitting defeat when you need to use an item. There's also a little thing. You can get weapons. You can take the handle and the blade, mix and match. And yeah, I, I I did play the demo and I quite mm-hmm. like that in it. Because even in the demo, there was like, I think three or four weapons in that that you could 
mix and match around with yeah and that's a lot of fun if you want to put the time into there's items you can unlock after beating bosses which you can go through the game with but you can do some nice combos too if you know what you're doing did you uh did they fix the dodging because that was the bit that put me off in the demo they fixed the dodging it's an upgradable skill to get us to the legs but going forward i believe they had a trailer recently where they kind of celebrated the sales they had because it's done quite good numbers. Yeah. There's DLC coming and there's an update and this update will unlock Quartz, which is an upgradable item. And that's, I think they call it like an uprising dodge is the fully right. upgraded. That will be unlocked going straight out of the gate. So you'll have that Ooh. as you start. Oh, I'm going to have to play this now, won't I? Yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I'll get, actually, I'll, I'll get on after that badge. Yeah, I'll, I'll get I'll get on after Alan Wake because I don't think there's anything else coming out this year that I'm interested in. Um, there's uh, like a dragon coming on Game Pass, and like it'll be out by the time this is published. Ah, oh, fuck's sake, man! Does he carry you? I've got to go back to carry you, Anna. Yeah, real time. <laughs> There'll be something. There must be something else coming out. Coming out. No idea. But there always is. Mario RPG on the Switch. That's if my Switch still turns on. I haven't <laughs> turned it on in nearly a year. Sickening. Great, so two games you recommend and one to suck oh, off into the bin. <laughs> if it wasn't a digital title, I'd take it out of the Xbox, I'd flush it down the toilet, I'd spit in it afterwards. <laughs> Thank God for Game Pass, though. Eh? You can play it, bin it off, and not have to worry. Yeah. Just your time that you've wasted. Because I have so much of that. <laughs> anyway, next. Great, thanks very much. All right, I'll go next. Um, so this week, mainly, I played Spider-Man 2. I, I've done other things, but I've played, finished, and platinum Spider-Man 2. This is my first platinum ever. Nice. In the many years of PlayStation having trophies. Oh, Stuart, how long did that take you? I have no idea, because <laughs> my PlayStation has counted the hours. Apparently, they've counted my PlayStation 30-odd hours, but it's not that. <laughs> I went over, but for some reason, I think it must have counted a standby, because it went from 9 hours to 18 overnight. So there was something... You can admit it, you stayed up all night. Something went wrong with her anyway. But anyway, the kids they were playing around with it as well because they like to spin around and fight mm. some of the street crime. Uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I I like the story. Uh, it's It feels like proper Spider-Man story with enough high stakes and cheesiness. Um, I like their interpretation of Venom and kind of doing something a little bit different with it than the usual. Um, mm. Got some good setups for the next game. There's already kind of a few enemies and heroes that they've set up for the next game and yeah overall I really enjoyed it I think it's better than the first one I think the the mechanics are better for using your uh, like weapons and gadgets and your uh, abilities I think they're they're better um, I think a lot of the side stuff's better and tighter there's a few that I didn't like I did not like the vulture cha robot chasing ones yeah, they're very much like the pigeons from the original yeah, Spider-Man. It basically the same kind of thing, but at least you got to fly this time rather than having to just web. But yeah, it basically was like... Basically Iron Man towards the end of the game. It's a bit... Doing that, it's like, why do I have to do this like six times? Mm. Just shit. And also, I didn't really like the EMF stuff with all the like, oh, go look at this plant and do this and do that. Like <laughs> it's the bicycle one. I got a 
GTA style bug where I fell through the world map and I was just like looking up at everything. <laughs> yeah, I got cycling like ET. And I got stuck on a on a bench and I was just like, and it was and it was literally I got there with about two seconds to go because I got stuck on in, in, a bench. Yeah, so there's a few of them which I would say like the they're kind of downtime side missions out there and they're just not that great. But everything else I kind of enjoyed because there are some friendly neighborhood Spider-Man missions which mm-hmm. are kind of downtime, which I really liked, and I thought they were quite touching and well-written. Um, won't go into them, but the, obviously the, yeah, the granddad one and the, the homeless guy one. Listen to a few podcasts that happily kind of give them away, and I was like, that, that was a really nice moment. I don't know, where, why would you spoil that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I won't, I won't spoil what they are, but there are a couple of there in the, in the Spider-Man missions, which I really, I thought were really nice. Um, I didn't get on with it as well as you did. Um, no, you didn't really like the writing. Oh, I really didn't, but I, I, if I haven't given it away yet, I'm a bit contrary. You don't like Marvel stuff much, really. I I don't, which is a shame because Spider-Man would have been one of few comics I got, like Ultimate Spider-Man around the 2000s. I would have collected that. Yeah. Because I do like Spider-Man. The opening mission with Sandman, and it's so on rails, follow a route, quick time events, and it's just... Uh, I, I hate that type of gameplay. So I, I, I have my issues. Well, and quick, the quick time events. into the spectacle, but I was. Uh, I found there's a mission where you're being dragged through New York at one stage, and all you have to do is dodge things. It's press circle, and I found myself like looking at my phone and just pressing circle whenever I heard a scream on the TV. I said, like, "This is it. no." I said, yeah. "If you're entertained by that." Fantastic. Good for you. I'm not. I've literally I've that's, that's one of my keys in my face. That's one of my down points of it is the QTEs. Mm. It's like there's no so I think the combat is still really fun. Like when you're in a fight and there's lots of enemies around and you're bouncing around and you're using the enemy like you're using your, your abilities and your and your gadgets and mm-hmm. stuff. And that's really good and you know, piecing together stuff to create a finishing move and whatnot. That's all really good, really good fun. You can obviously do all the stealth takedowns as well. Um yeah. But that is one thing, the tripwire or the the upgraded one where you can just make a, a path wherever yeah. you want. Yeah, that is broken as all fuck. I had like 30 bad guys lined up at any one time. Yeah, it's a, it's if you were a guard and you aren't seeing somebody just hanging from a line about six foot above you, <laughs> you need to go get your eyes tested. <laughs> because I did that a lot. I was like, oh, they're going to see this. And they just walk straight under it. I was like, all oh, right, okay. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, it, there's a lot of stuff there. The 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 QTEs, uh, there's mm-hmm. some padding out, and the boss fights are too simple, not inventive enough. There's a lot of stuff going on narratively and cinematically that looks really good. And the, like, there's a lot of stuff going on there. But essentially, you just spam the bosses and you'll win. Yeah. You do a job, do a dodge, spam them, do a dodge, spam them. And they have like four, some of them have four phases and not a single one of those phases do their attacks change. You just move to a different area. You just, you know, you're battering each other. They fight, yeah. the, the boss jumps off somewhere, Spider-Man follows him. You're in a new area now. That's it. And I thought that's, that's something they really need to work on with the next game is, is, making these boss fights more interesting. Because I did find myself just not being engaged with it and just ticking the box. Yeah, they're too easy. There's nothing... There isn't a single and boss I had fight the that I thought difficulty was... up, but that 
doesn't really affect much. Yeah. It's just, this is another thing. The thing is, hearing that, I'm just thinking that you've had Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man 2, you've got Mm. obviously Wolverine coming, which will be slightly different, obviously, but it's still going to be, I guess, got similar mechanics in some ways. Do you think it's going to be an issue of people getting bored of this kind of game now? I think it's a downside. Insomniac are just cramming titles out, and there has to be a payoff for it. You can't put out that many titles and have everyone. It's like Naughty Dog are taking this long, creating a new one. And I'm sure when, whatever the next title is, whether it's The Last of Us 3, it's going to blow The Last of Us 2 out of the water. Mm. But with Insomniac, I mean, they're putting something out nearly every year. They are keeping the first party releases afloat at the moment. And it's just, I feel it's nearly exactly the same as Miles Morales and Spider-Man 1. I know they've tuned things and refined things, but it's technically the same game. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it is I'm not going to rush to play Miles yet. Mm. Next on my list to play at some point is Miles. I, I never got around to playing it. Graphic and I hate to bring up Spider-Man that whole Man thing of up. I platinumed it in 20 hours and it's a £70 pound game. I didn't pay that for it, but if I had, I would have felt fucking robbed. I see. I only paid fifty five and felt mm-hmm. happy with that. Like I got enough out of that because I think I think it took me probably about twenty four altogether because I was fucking around and just flying around and doing stuff, mm-hmm. but, you know, between things. And the kids were playing it as well. Um, but I sold it for forty seven, so really it only cost me eight <laughs> quid. So <laughs> I went a sneaky turkey route and got it for twenty pound before they they closed that loophole. <laughs> yeah, so I'm pretty happy with that. Got the, mm-hmm. the whole thing up for eight quid technically. Yeah, it is more or less the same as Spider-Man, but with a few tweaks, make it a little bit better. Graphically, it looks better. I love playing around with the picture mode because you can make stuff look amazing. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, Quite a few hours for put into that, which I don't normally do. Yeah, there's obviously some of my playtime hours is me just fucking around with picture mode. Mm -hmm. And um, people say, oh, well, why would you use fast travel on this? Because eventually, you know, it's easier and you still get the fun of swinging around, but the fast travel in this is incredibly quick. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never known a fast travel that quick. But then when you look at the size that I, I hate to, I don't mean to shit on the game. It, it is impressive. But it's a small tile. It's not a big game world. No, but the, the first one, when you fast travel somewhere, there was a cutscene on mm-hmm. the loading screen. Whereas this now, I just, I was quite impressed with just how quick it just, you hold a button and about five seconds later, you're there. Yeah, but when they remastered it for the PlayStation 5, it did the same thing. It wasn't as nice. You can pick a point in the map and it actually zooms in at that point. Yeah. The map and that's where it delivers you instantly. It's so quick. But I didn't f- play that one. See, I only played the original. Yeah, it's, they had to add like a button prompt because it loaded too quick. And people were looking at their phone <laughs> at Twitter and didn't realize they were back in it already. That's still quite impressive. Though. I still think it's pretty good. Oh, it is. Yeah, just you know, it's it's easy to see how it's possible given the size of the game world and what's going on in it. It's yeah, but like I said, that's done. Like you say, I platinumed it by playing the game. There was one. Mm-hmm. There was one achievement I had to do at the end, which was just do a bunch of tricks. Yeah, you had the same one as me, yeah. and the one where you had to fall face first into something. Yeah, whereas the other ones were basically just. They, they pretty much unlock as you play the game. Yeah, map up the map. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man, that's my thoughts on that. But the other thing I did this week was I watched 
Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> Is there a cracker knuckles for this one? Uh, not really. Uh, Amelia wants to watch this. It's technically a 15 over here, but it's a PG in America, and this is fine for a 10-year-old to watch. Um, so it's based on, the, obviously, the Five Nights at Freddy's video game. It's directed by Emma Tammy, who co-wrote the screenplay, and with Cawthon and Seth Kudderback. Um, so Scott Cawthon, I think, is the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's. Is that right? Yeah, so he's got a hand in writing this at least. Uh, stars Josh Hutchinson, Elizabeth Lale, and Matthew Lillard. And it tells the story of Mike, who is a troubled young guy who can't keep down a job. Um, he has a troubled past, which basically is revealed. This is all kind of revealed early on that his brother was he kidnapped. He used to bully Pyramid Head. Yeah. <laughs> his brother was kidnapped when he was younger and he keeps having these dreams about it so he's trying to figure out a way and reading up on a way to kind of create go into like lucid dreams so he can try to remember what's going on and trying to remember what's going and that kind of like plays into the a little bit of the story of while he's working at freddy's and basically 24 tenants and a wank he loses this job <laughs> and um he gets offered this job, a new job at uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. Soon to discover that things aren't all what they seem. And if you're a fan of this franchise, you'll like this film. Based on the Rotten Tomato score from the audience scores, based on the amount of money this has taken, Considering it is both a streaming and in the cinema at the same time, it's taken a fuck ton of money at the, at the cinema. Mm. I, think, I think it's on two hundred million at the moment. Probably Poor Mario go up. Um, it won't get, it won't touch Mario. Um, but it overtook Mario. Not well it, in the opening weekend, but uh, I mean in totals, Mario's like what one point two billion, I think. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's very predictable. The twist's very easy to work out. Um. It's because it's for the tween market. The kills are really tame. There's nothing's really shown on the screen apart from maybe one thing. There's barely any blood in it. Um, this would have been a better film had it been rated R, but then it wouldn't have made the money it's done. So I can see why they haven't made it rated R. Mm. Uh, but even though I'm not a fan of the game, I do know of it and I've seen clips of it and I know what it looks like and I know what the whole premise of the game is. I think they've done a really good job of actually bringing the animatronics and the whole place to life really well. I think they've really captured that. So I would say if you're a fan of this game, like a big fan of the game, there's going to be references in there galore. Like Similar to mm. the Mario film. It, essentially, the Mario film isn't that great of a film when you think about it, but if you're a fan of Mario, there's a shitload of stuff going off on there that just pleases you as a Mario fan. It's a me, Freddy! Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of what this is, but Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, so I think this done a good job of pulling the game world into a real world there. Uh, obviously, the creator of it being involved probably helped mm. with all that. But essentially, the story's pretty shit. The, um, the horror isn't great. It's not that good of a film. But for someone like Amelia, it's great. It's perfect kind of shitty little horror that she can watch that's not going to traumatise them because there isn't essentially anything in there that's too bad. 
think she'd probably see worse anyway on some of the other stuff she's watched. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for for the tween market, it's perfect for a fight. Five Nights at Freddy fan is perfect. For everyone else, I wouldn't bother. And that's pretty much me this week. Uh, Biggie, round us off. Yeah, I've uh, finished yourself watched a couple there. of things. Thanks, <laughs> 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 off. Do you like this? Do you like this? Um, so I've watched the final episode of Gen V, um, which I kind of guess neatly wraps up the what will be season one now. Um, it leads up to allegedly the new season of the boys. And there are a few cameo appearances. Uh, it's quite a brutal end to the season. There's some shocking acting as well. I have to say, although I did like majority of the performances throughout, um, you can tell a different level of acting and uh, it is quite, yeah, I was going to ask, was it intentional shocking knowing that series? No, no I don't know. Not at all. I just think it's really hammy acting by, uh, you know, bless them. They're probably, I'd say probably the majority of them are probably unknowns when they're going into the season. Yeah, well, they're uh, fucking stay that way series. with performances like that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's set. <laughs> it basically confirmed that it, when it ends, the boys season four starts a, a week after. Oh, We've still go. got a few episodes left to, to watch. Yeah, know? I have to start it. A big fan of the boys, but I missed this one. But I, I've jo- enjoyed the, the story, the well, idea of shit on it, it just, but the <laughs> but the acting overall has been okay. It's just at times you can tell that, that, that you know it's been new to acting. That's fine. Um, but Prime also released um, Atom Eve, um, a little origin story because the um, animated seasons of Invincible season two is now just started. But they're releasing it episodically. Oh my god! Been waiting oh, so no. long for this, <laughs> I this like season that. to come. And, has only one episode available. They did that last season. But yeah. It was all episodes. Yeah, I know, but it's just been so long <laughs> that I just want to watch it because I, I've loved the comic. I've gone back to it. I've, I've restarted the comic again. Um, but it is so good. It's It makes its own changes, which is fine. It, it works for the um, narrative and the story. It's really good. Really enjoyed it. It's just nice to be back in that world with mm-hmm. the characters that you liked from before. Really, really good. So if you like the, the origin story about Ameev, is really good too. Really, I didn't even know that was a thing until I clicked on it. You, you're the one that mentioned it, and that's what got me thinking. Well, I watched Invincible season two, and I clicked on that, and then I was like, after I came back out, I was like, oh, there's a thing there. I didn't have time to watch it at the time, so I need to. Yeah, it's nearly an hour long as well, um, but it's really good. I really enjoyed both of them. So yeah, more of Invincible, please. Um, And then the other thing that I started because I think it got mentioned either last week or the week before, and I think Stiggy was mentioning it, was Narcos. So, yeah, I'm uh, just going through season one at the moment of Narcos. Uh, if you're not aware, it's just an American crime drama uh, TV series created and produced by Chris Brancato, Carlo Bernard, and Doug Miro, or Miro, uh, set and filmed in Colombia. Um, it's basically about the Colombian narco-terrorist and drug kingpin Pablo Escobar, who's the leader of the Medellin cartel. Became a billionaire through the production and distribution of cocaine. So I've, always about Pablo... <laughs> uh, I've always known about pa- Pablo Escobar, but I must admit I didn't know much of his story. So I found this really entertaining, really interesting. And um, it's like a dramatization. So there's some actual film footage and photographs of things that have happened in real life. And then obviously the story's built around that. But everyone's really good in it. Um, 
Uh, you've got the main stars here. Wagner Mora plays Pablo. Um, Boyd Holbrook um, plays Steve Murphy, the DEA, sorry, DEA agent tasked with bringing down Escobar. And of course, the lovable Pedro Pascal as Javier Peña, uh, another DEA agent that's um, helping Steve try and bring him down. And Joanna Christie plays Connie Murphy, Steve's wife. And there's another big list. Uh, Louise Guzman's in here. Um, lots of other... Come on, um, go through them all. You'll probably recognise. Uh, okay, there's a big page. No. <laughs> um, but it's really good. Yeah, it's well recommended, obviously, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, Pedro's fantastic. as has Boyd, um, but definitely Wagner stands out as Pablo. He's so good. Um, but yeah, really enjoying it. Really, really cool. But very interesting uh, true story. Yeah, I, I... With it being dramatised. I loved Narcos. I thought it was brilliant. Um, and obviously, I think we yeah, when we talked about it, it's obviously... Um, it's in Spanish as well, part of it. So you've got to, it yeah. makes you pay attention. No looking at your phones. You've yeah, got to sit absolutely. and watch it. Um, and it's really brutal, but at the right times, it's not graphic just for the sake of it. It's actually mm. telling the story with the brutality. So um, yeah, just be aware of that. Yeah, the problem is sometimes it like, gets you like um, feeling for the side of Escobar. <laughs> <laughs> It's good because yeah, you, it shows you get him as like the, the family man and... and all this kind of stuff like that. But then yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the flip side, it shows him blowing up planes. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when anyone think of his poor hippos, <laughs> yeah, swings and roundabouts. There's still money buried out in that country. They don't know where. It is. Oh, it's mad. Like, I mean, the, mountains of money just the, buried just, in like. I like that. Fuck the banks. Just bury your money at random spots around the country. I might start doing that myself. At sure, one point I'm in sure the, the story, business accountant that, will love you for that. <laughs> oh, we're never at one point get in on. the story, they said that he was bringing in sixty million dollars a day, and they actually had so much money, like Stig uh, alluded to, that they actually ended up just having to bury it because they just didn't know what to do with the stacks of cash that they had. It's just mad, absolutely mad. Yeah, I I need to watch Marcos Mexico. I think I mentioned that before as well. But third season of Marcos is really good. Um, I didn't think they'd be able to pull it off with what happens, but yeah, it's just as good. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So thank you for that. Great. That's it. I've, um, we must have some listener feedback. Gadget? We do. We, we, we have a few people coming in this week. Oh, for fuck's uh, sake. Starting off <laughs> with uh, King, ha- King Hagrid. Uh, after thoroughly enjoying the Patreon special to score cheap and the conclusion to Folly of Filth Water, we took my eldest two and my nephew to the Harry Potter studio tour for their collective birthdays. As such, they were allowed to open the gates to the Great Hall and start the tour. Giant set pieces mixed with costumes and everything else from animatronics to storyboards to wand combat lessons for the kid and Death Eater battles. It was a fantastic experience for Harry Potter fans and movie makers alike. Worth, uh, definitely worth going if you haven't been already. Great. If you're a Harry Potter fan, it's brilliant. Took Amelia there for Enough. her birthday one year. Really not fair to put those kids in front of Death Eaters, though. Yeah, there's no Death Eaters there now, is there? I think it's just a Halloween thing, that. They have, like, people... They're all just... too scared of Stig, big lad. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> Here he comes! And they just dive and hide away from me. But they're always adding stuff to it as well. Like, I, I, I went with Kate years ago, and then I've been again since with Amelia, and they added, like, this whole Gringotts area where, like, a dragon comes out and, like, shoots fire and stuff. It's great. Nice. Uh, Planty, Mr. Podcast himself, Mr. Worldwide has been on. Uh, hello friends, it's been a busy week in the Planty household. However, I've found time to start and get a fair bit into a new book, Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. 
about Viv the Orc Barbarian who gives up barbarianism to uh, to open her own coffee shop. It's a sweet tale that helped me reach in for the Nespresso machine and biscuits more than usual. I've heard good things about that book. I do need to mm-hmm. uh, get the, uh, give that one a read. Uh, as for what we've been watching, Blackberry is, in my opinion, the best of the recent corporographies, a term I've either made up or overheard. Mm-hmm. The casting is cracking and there's even more to the true story than I knew where with enough, ah, remember that model of rubbish phone to keep a phone nerd occupied for two hours. Oodles, I'm looking at you. Yeah, I thought it was the weakest one out of the lot. <laughs> if you're looking at, like, Tetris, Air, um, Blackberry, I think there was another one that came out recently. If I've not watched that one, there's some about money. Dumb, Dumb money. money, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's about the GameStop. Mm. Yeah, thing. I need to watch that one. But, like, yeah, I, I just, I found the others a bit more interesting. I mean, I mean, Blackberry is good, but it's kind of held together mainly by Glenn Howerton. Um, but, yeah, it's good. But I, it for me, it was probably the weakest out of the ones I've seen this year. Yeah, Planty. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. Um, <laughs> you know nothing. He also goes on to say yeah, other notable stuff. We started watching Bodies on Netflix. Three episodes in and it's pedestrian as best. Anyone watch that? No. I saw that, but yeah, I haven't watched it yet. And last night I watched 2002's Ghost Ship for the first time. <laughs> Great opening. <laughs> Great opening. Add that to the list of stupid film future 100 things episodes. <laughs> you can go and talk to me with that biggie. <laughs> I haven't seen Fucking that film since it came out, but the opening That's, is incredible. It's the one with Liam Neeson in it. Is it? Can't remember. I'm sure really he did some remember. fucking low-rent horror film in the early 2000s. <laughs> uh, Lee Davies has said, finish Cyberpunk 2077 and Phantom Liberty, or Fanny Libs. Uh, what a great game. Glad I restarted it to get the full experience with the new RPG systems. Both the DLC and main story had such satisfying endings, I couldn't recommend it more strongly. It's finally yeah, a must-play it. game. To replay this yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm to dipping in and out of it. off the Xbox One disc and get it installed yeah. yeah i've been i've been dipping in and out of it um i'm kind of just into the, i'm just out of the kind of the opening prologue areas and mm. i'm just now getting into night city it is much better yeah i did the like, five-hour trial runs. whenever they fixed it the first time and didn't think much of it i thought it was a shade fallout for now they've they've addressed kind of a lot of the stuff like the like i mean the main thing they fixed is like all the menu systems the world feels populated mm. yeah. um it, it sounds looks, really good. There's a yeah, lot it looks going and on sounds here. a lot better. No, yeah. interested to get it going. It's just in the build-up to Game of the Year. Still don't know if Phantom Liberty counts as an entry yet. Because uh, it's, 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 it's not as if it's a, it's a big year DLC. that's short on entries. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I I don't don't think you'll have uh, enough time to get through to it. find mm. a Game of the Year this year. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that we're doing a Game of the Year show for the first time and we have no idea. Yeah, good luck with that. so many Game of the Years. <laughs> Tetris. I mean, Tetris is always the game of the year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to be fair, like this year has been fucking mint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is this is a golden year for well, gaming. Great game, or a great year for people who play games. Shite year for people that make games. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Supernatica has vomited onto the internet for us. Uh, so this week, me and my other half have been playing Pizza Possum. It's a couch co-op frantic game where you are a possum and That's a raccoon ended up with duo a baby. trying to steal a giant pizza <laughs> that belongs to the big boss. 
You move with the stick and press X to use a Mario Kart style device that allows you to thwart enemies in the forms of dogs that chase you if alerted. If they catch you, they literally hold you in this dopey manner and you have to wait for your partner to come rescue you. You navigate an island guarded by locked gates and to unlock them you have to eat food lying on tables and in shops and bins. It's incredibly <laughs> manic and great for kids because there's no winner, it's just pure chaos cooperative. It's endearing and bright. Downside, very repetitive, but the kind of game you can pick up and put down, easily played in 30 minute bursts. Me and Robotic Monkey played earlier this week uh, too and it was a good laugh. It's on all major pl- platforms, it's only a fiver. Okay. Never heard of it. Nope. Never no, want no, to hear no. of it again. Meanwhile, Stuarticus has learned he, he has feet and can now roll over, so his review this week is of his toes. <laughs> he says they're incredibly fun and wiggly, have little bits of fluff in them that you can roll between your fingers and shove in your mouth, and socks are definitely a no-go as he likes to take them off, laugh, and then cry because they're no longer on his feet. Feet, <laughs> four out of ten. Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> Best review of Little updates on Stuarticus. Good name. Uh, Xenos has said feedback for this week Remnant 2 has just announced its first DLC is coming out on the 14th of November so I've been playing that to get back into ahead of it ahead of the new content over Halloween they added some new weapons which are modified versions of existing ones made by killing aberration enemies would have helped if Oodles was here he wouldn't know what any of this means (laughs) they're glitchy looking red and black ones with extra modifiers that are basically randomly spawning mini bosses for the corrupted shards they drop then melding them with a unique weapon all of them behave a bit weirdly compared to the normal weapon. For example, the grenade launcher Meridian, which is, has a rocket launcher mode as its alternate fire, All right. uh, turns into a rocket launcher full-time. So it's a rocket launcher. But it can now load three <laughs> rockets at once and fire them all simultaneously, and its alt fire makes it launch cluster bombs. I think Lockheed Martin have, have just, like, come. That, that idea. <laughs> Fucking weapons makers. <laughs> Um, the DLC won't be out in time for next week's episode but I'll have comments on it the week after once I've time to play it also Bungie is currently on fire read several articles on it still got no idea what the fuck has happened <laughs> over there I'll let you know if you manage to work that out we talked about that we have no idea <laughs> we have no idea and we have no idea on Remnant 2 I do need to play that though Apparently, it's I'd like to play that as well before the year is out just in case uh, is it on Game Pass or is it? A, no, I also a buy games. Fuck you. <laughs> no, no, I'm asking if it's on Game Pass. I'm asking if it's on Game Pass because I, I can't remember if it is or not. No, uh, the original one was came off before the sequel came out. Oh, that's tight to them. Yeah. Um, Tig says currently enjoying Series Two of Foundation. The recap before Series Two Episode One was useless, and I was more confused about what happened in Season One than before I saw it. Anyway, <laughs> still fantastic, and Apple must have spent a fortune on it. Game-wise, having finished Starfield, very good. I've gone back to finish off game, uh, ge- ah, God of War Ragnarok. I saw G-O-W and immediately went for Gears of War for some reason. <laughs> Gears of God War, of War Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Oh, that sounds brilliant. <laughs> Lovely looking game, but a bit too long in places, which I think was all of our feedback on it mm, generally. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, uh, we could have maybe cut about four hours out of that game and it would have been perfect. Yuck. Yuck walking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Robotic Monkey said, I've started playing Last of Us 2 for the first time. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not an uplifting one, mate. <laughs> nope. Certainly not. It's not I don't like your cheap, little no. gift that you put in the Discord as well. It's not a cheery Christmas <laughs> game, that's for sure. You nasty man, punk. You're nasty man. It makes me laugh every time. I must have been the only person that giggled his way through that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Do it again. Horrible. 
Moving swiftly on, uh, Best Boy Angry Kurt says, This past week I went to my second concert of the year as I went to see Fallout Boy. First concert I saw this year was quite a small venue, but this was an arena, and the first arena gig I've done since Busted many, many years ago. It was a great show with a good mix of new and old tracks, which reminded me why they're in my top three bands. I also finished Spider-Man 2. It has some problems, like the boss battles having too many phases with no variation between them, I still thought the side content wasn't that much better than the first game, but overall it was a very fun game with a good story and probably my favourite PS5 exclusive. Not that there's much competition on that front. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a little bit of shade there from Kurt. But uh, yeah, that's all the feedback we have this week. Awesome. Thank you very much, everyone. Who wrote in. I presume we don't have a Candyland because she's not here. No, and she hasn't sent no. me one, so she's a, a biggie docker pit. Yeah, absolutely horrendous candy. Just play the audio from that horse video. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's our Candyland. Go look at the horse video. <laughs> no. Do your own homework. Don't, don't do the horse video. Right, well, right in with your reactions of the horse the video. <laughs> <laughs> the title of the podcast, horse video. Mr. Hans 2. Pony no. Boogaloo. Jazz hands. Oh, actually, the... the um, Jazz hands. In the... Uh, New updated version of um, Cyberpunk. They've now added a new character in it called Mr. Hans. And when he first popped up on the phone, I fucking died laughing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's it then. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, remember, uh, Kenny Potter, if you're a Patreon member, Kenny Potter comes out on Monday, the 13th. Um, you can head to modernscapism.co.uk on there. You'll find all the information about our Patreon. Um, Five pounds a month, I'll get you access to everything we do. Over two years of specials on there now. Two years of specials. Excellent content. Excellent value it. for money. Oh, Ask what's that, about 12 now? You what, sorry? Two years worth. 12 episodes, so well done. <laughs> One a month and plenty of specials on there, including yeah. the green room. So if you are a patron, unfortunately, this is the end for you. We have to say goodbye. And if you are a patron, we'll see you in the green room. So for everyone else, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.